Good morning. Welcome to our online service this morning. Uh, you've joined us here at Kirkpatrick Memorial. It's the 28th of June, and that means we've reached the end of term. At last, for many of our homeschooling families in particular, well done. End of terms felt a wee bit different uh, this year, uh, but at least we've made it. School's out for summer. End of terms felt different in school, but it's also felt different around church. I couldn't help but notice that last week at our Youth and Children's Sunday. It was a great service. Uh, thanks to Paul who led it and for all those who contributed to it. It was a great service, but it was a bit strange to have a Youth and Children's Sunday with no children or young people around me and with me did feel a bit weird. This morning's service is going to be great but weird too in a similar sort of a way. We're going to have a visiting speaker but they are going to visit us by YouTube. This morning's service is going to have a focus on one of our mission partners that is Open Doors. So it's great to have Chris Phillips who leads the work of Open Doors in Ireland uh, to join us today. I'm going to pray just now and then I'm going to invite Chris to say an opening word. And then we'll go into our first song, God the Uncreated One. Let's pray. Gracious Father God, thank you for this moment. A moment with you, a moment with our brothers and sisters. Life's been chaotic unpredictable, difficult in these days. Thanks for calling us to be with you. Lord, we're going to sing in a moment that you are king forever. Lord, you have always been and always will be king. We're delighted that you've invited us into your kingdom. There are many in our world who don't recognize your kingship. The psalmist tells us that the kings of this earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Father, we know that there are people in this world who hate Jesus and who hate those who follow him. Be with us this morning as we think of and pray for our brothers and sisters who suffer because they challenge the kings of this earth and because they stand up for King Jesus. May they come to see soon enough that they were right all along to follow Jesus, that he really is King forever. Amen. Hello, my name's Chris and I lead the Open Doors team in Ireland. It's such a shame that I can't be with you and we all can't gather together in Kirkpatrick today as we plan to do. But I'm so thankful I get to share with you online in this way. I'm also thankful to Christoph for the initial invitation to come and speak, but also for keeping the space open for me to share like this, but also 
welcoming me into your homes um, in this in this way. Um, I just want to say as well how thankful we are open doors for your ongoing partnership with us. It's uh, it means so much to have your constant support, knowing that you're with us, standing together alongside open doors as we stand with our brothers and sisters around the world who face the most extreme persecution for following Jesus. Your prayers and your financial support helps us to continue to to do what we can uh, to strengthen the church um, to be the church wherever it is facing those most difficult of challenges because the scripture tells us we're all part of one body and when one part suffers we all should suffer and your partnership is such a, such a wonderful example of that so thank you today um, but I'm here because I want to just encourage you to keep doing that to keep going don't give up don't forget them because the reality is that actually for many of our brothers and sisters this lockdown period this this coronavirus crisis has actually made things a, a 10 times worse perhaps um, and where things were already difficult in many countries they're now uh, even even harder for our brothers and sisters um, and as we've been through lockdown ourselves as we begin to think about even coming out of it during this time we've perhaps experienced a little bit of that isolation a little bit of that restriction on being able to gather together that actually for many of our brothers and sisters both through history but also in our current uh, world climate today they they experience that constantly um, it's a daily routine it's nothing new for them and so in that moment we may just consider as well what does that mean what does that look like and how do we respond now that we've been through something similar ourselves so I just want to update you. We have some videos to share with you for you to just engage with and watch. Uh, and my prayer, my hope is that you will both be um, encouraged by their faith, encouraged by their, by their determination to keep following Jesus, whatever the cost. But also that you might be challenged to consider how can you stand with them? How can you support them to keep following him? So thank you again for your support and thank you for tuning in today. God bless. Hello boys and girls. It is great to be able to spend just a little bit of time with you this morning. And I wonder, how are you getting on? Things are slowly beginning to get back to normal, but we're still living in these strange old days, aren't we? Where we're spending lots of time in our own houses. So I thought it might be helpful this morning just for me to share with you something that I have found really helpful during lockdown. You may notice that I am talking to you this morning from the inside of our tent. I have found it really helpful during lockdown to create a special place just for me to come and talk to God in prayer. Because boys and girls, your Father in heaven so loves spending time talking to you in prayer. He loves to hear the prayers that you bring to him and he loves to talk back to you in return. He loves you so, so much. In Exodus chapter 33, we read about Moses creating his own special tent and calling it the tent of meeting. And this was a place where Moses went to talk to God and to hear God's voice. 
So here's your challenge, boys and girls. Why don't you create your own special place where you can go just for you and talk to God in prayer? Now, it doesn't have to be a tent, although it could be. I know lots of you do have your own tents at home. It could be in the corner of your living room, the corner of your bedroom. It could be outside, perhaps in a shed or at the bottom of a tree or in your garage. You could decorate your special place with pictures, uh, make it cosy with bean bags like I have done, put up fairy lights. You could have music playing. I always love to have music playing when I'm talking to God in prayer. You can make it whatever way you like. There are no, there's no right or wrong way to create your own special prayer place, but it's just somewhere special for you to go to to talk to God in prayer. As your Sunday club leaders, boys and girls, we would love to see pictures of your special prayer place. Why don't you get your mum or your dad to take a picture of your special prayer place and send it in to Claire at the normal church address. And we can include these in postcards from home over the next few weeks. We would love to see them. And one final thing, boys and girls, before I finish today. Sometimes it can be hard, can't it, to know what to talk to God about in prayer. And I'll let you into a wee secret. As grown-ups, we can find prayer sometimes tricky too. So this is something that I use. Sometimes, just if I'm struggling to know what to say to God in prayer, I look at my hand and I use my hand as a prayer prompt just to remind me to pray for certain things. So I look at my thumb. My thumb is closest to my heart, so that reminds me to pray for those people I love the most, my family and my friends. And then next up, is my pointer finger so that reminds me boys and girls to pray for those who point me in the right direction like Christoph our minister our youth leaders and our teachers next up is my big finger and that reminds me boys to pray boys and girls to pray for our leaders in government who are guiding us during these difficult days and then next up is my ring finger so that's my weakest finger and that reminds me to pray for those in society who are perhaps vulnerable or are ill, um, those who are finding these days very, very hard. We can't pray for this group of people too much, boys and girls. And my final finger is my pinky finger, my smallest finger, and that reminds me to pray for myself, for my own worries, my own anxieties. Uh, God just loves so much to hear what's on our hearts and what's on our minds. I hope you might find that helpful. Christoph will email out a wee prayer guide with, my, with the hand on it just to remind you. Boys and girls, thank you so much for taking the time to listen this morning. We look forward to seeing pictures of your special prayer place. Take care and goodbye. Folks, I've just had an opportunity this morning to have a lovely chat with Mark and Caroline Welsh. Uh, they've just recently returned home. I don't want to say too much about that because I don't want to steal their thunder. I thought the best thing would be just to hear from them and me ask them a few questions uh, and let us all catch up with them again. Martin, Caroline, some people listening to us this morning um, won't know you guys very well. So tell us quickly who you are. Introduce yourselves. Um, I'm Mark, Mark Welsh, Caroline Welsh. Yeah, we've been part of the Kirkpatrick family for, for a few years now. Um, I'm, I'm a Presbyterian minister, but 
have had various roles in, in various locations. And, and Caroline's a physiotherapist. Brilliant. And um, what have you guys been up to the last while? We haven't seen much of you the last three years. Um, what what have you been doing? Yeah, apologies. We've we've missed church for a few <laughs> weeks. Now. Um, we've been we've been living and working in in Central Asia, um, where we've had a variety of roles, but largely spent um, in, in trying to support the the expat mission community um, in in various ways. So I worked as as a undercover pastor of an international fellowship um, in the country we were working in and worked as a sort of RE teacher or, or school chaplain in, in a school for mission kids. I was also working in the uh, in the school and um, I was in kindergarten and having great fun with five and six year olds um, so I was a, a teacher in that class um, and then also I did some physiotherapy um, both in the city and then some uh, villages out and around uh, well quite a, a distance away from from the city at times um, with children um, with their families um, all these children having um, levels of, of disability um, so that and then the two of us really did a a real sort of hospitality role with expats, um, both um, through school, through the international club, and and our company then for folk that were travelling through the city. Um, so yeah, there was plenty to keep us keep us busy. A lot right. going on. Because for those who are confused, the international club is still our. Sorry. <laughs> we're allowed to say church now. International church. club was the, was the okay. church. Brilliant. Yes, I think, <laughs> I think our company was, was Intersurf. Intersurf. Yeah, we, we <laughs> actually mentioned Intersurf. <laughs> yes, I think we we always struggled and tried to be cautious. So it's it's nice to feel a wee bit freer about that stuff now. Um, so guys, whenever we're on Zoom, we're not sure which part of the world we're talking to people in. Um, just to be clear with people, you are home. You're sitting in your living room in East Belfast. When did you get home? Yeah. Um, yes, we got home um, the 4th of June. Um, so that was uh, an interesting trip, but it's uh, obviously a successful one. So that was great. Um, and then we did um, 14 days of quarantine just with travel. And yeah, we, we weren't, we wanted to be, to be sure and careful. Um, so yeah, we've had, Several weeks, couple of weeks, mm-hmm. home now, um, and it's yeah, it's it's good to be home. Um, it feels a little strange, definitely surreal. Uh, I mean, yeah, emotions are a little bit all over the place. Um, certainly the sadness of leaving friends and and uh, yeah, good colleagues uh, back there, but yeah. It's good to it's good to be home. It's good to have time actually just stop. We are pretty exhausted, but uh, yeah, it's it's great to be back. Brilliant. I, I don't know how long the answer to this question is going to be. It might be quite short. Um, do you have any idea what happens next uh, for you two? The officially, we're still with with Interserve until the end of September. Um, home assignment again it was, it's going to look very different this year but i think the key thing is for us to to have time to reflect on and, and feedback to the company just what we've been up to the last the last three years um for us to re- reflect on that and but also to begin to 
to, to look ahead as to where God might be calling us to, to serve him next. So, yeah, we're back in, in many ways to a blank sheet of paper, which is, is exciting um, at the moment. As September draws closer, it might, that might become a little bit more daunting, mm-hmm. uh, but it's but it's okay at the moment. You know, I think you know, we've come back with a sense of satisfaction that we've achieved what we were supposed to achieve when when we were out there. Um, but as Caroline said, it's tinged with with a level of sadness of of having left people and places behind, um, and, and we need to work we need to work through all of all of that mm-hmm. um, at, at, a, at a slightly deeper level. But yeah, that's that's to be honest, as much as we have planned. Folks, when we were on together before we started recording, we had said that there'll be a time in the future we'd love to hear a lot more than than it's probably right to try and share here today. So we look forward to that in the future. We look forward to hearing a lot more from you guys about the last three years, what you've learned and, and how God used you there. Uh, for, for now, uh, we're going to say goodbye, but thank you very much for coming on and being with us today. Thank you. Yeah, our pleasure. And, and thank you, Kirkpatrick, for, for all of your support and Absolutely. prayers. It, it has been invaluable. So, so thank you so, so much. We're thinking this morning about the suffering church. God's people have always suffered in this world. The Bible is full of stories of people who suffer for their faithfulness to the God of Israel and to his son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to read just a few short verses from Paul's second letter to Corinth, where we see that he expected to suffer for Jesus. I'm reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning to read at verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that all this surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. This is the word of God. Just now we're going to hear an inspiring story from the church in Sri Lanka, from Chris. Then we're going to hear from Lauren Patterson, a member of our congregation, about God's leading and guiding in her life and particularly how he's led her now to be working with Open Doors. And then we'll watch a video showing the suffering church who have counted the cost of following Jesus. Uh, You might know the song, sing along as much as you're able, but don't worry if you can't sing along too much. And then finally after that, Chris will lead us in our prayers of intercession. I just want to share with you the most inspiring story that I've heard during the coronavirus crisis. It comes from Sri Lanka's eastern province, where a small Christian community led by Pastor Shianth had been facing for several years 
really severe opposition from members of their community, from their own neighbours and from even their own relatives. Uh, these people were desperate to shut down the church, but the police reminded them that in the, church, in the country's constitution, there was a freedom of religion uh, policy. And these people hated that response. And they said that they would take things into their own hands, solve the problem their own way. And so when Kumar, who was part of that church community, was heading to meet with the others one day, this group of people saw their opportunity. And they began to attack him. And two of the first people to, to, to beat Kumar were two of his own cousins before the rest of the mob joined in. And when some of Kumar's family began to try and intervene and stop this from happening, they too were beaten and stoned and pelted with rubbish. It was a horrendous situation. What's amazing was when coronavirus hit and the whole of Sri Lanka was put into an island-wide lockdown, and as many of the villages, many of the community inside the church and outside the church found themselves struggling to survive because of their low income, the church began to see an opportunity. They saw this great need and Pastor Shiant requested everybody in the church to consider um, providing dry rations for the entire village. And they managed to get enough to supply dry rations for a hundred families in their community. And through the government's help, they managed to get it distributed. And some of the people that received this support were members of that mob that attacked them a few months earlier. These people who, who began to become uh, a, such a threat to the community now were being loved by the community. And they, the people themselves said this, this church could have just helped their own believers. They didn't have to help us, but they did. Why did we do so much against them? And Pastor Shiantha said that, that doing what they did has given them the opportunity to share the gospel, to show the love of Christ to people. And now people are more eager than ever to know the Lord. And then he says, um, I see a great renewal in the church. Even the local government has changed its attitude towards the church. We are building better relationships with the people now. Thank you so much for your partnership. So that message is to you. Thank you for your partnership. Thank you for standing with people like Pastor Shiant and his church. And please keep going. Thank you. Folks, um, just have uh, been joined uh, or have already been participating in a Zoom call uh, with Lauren Patterson uh, away up in Newton Abbey. Lauren's a, a member of our congregation with Craig and her two daughters. So, uh, Lauren, good to have you on with us today. Uh, the reason I'm choosing to talk to Lauren today is because Lauren recently started working for Open Doors, uh, but I don't want to tell too much of that story because I, I want Lauren to have a go at sharing that herself. Lauren, maybe maybe you could join in, uh, join me in this conversation. Maybe begin by telling us a wee bit about yourself. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm Lauren and I'm married to Craig and I've got two daughters, Phoebe, who's four, and Alice, who's one and a half. Um, I've been coming to Kirkpatrick for about four years now um, and I originally did law and trained to be a solicitor and worked in that for a few years, but um, it just never really felt right. So um, last year I started working for Open Doors as their team administrator. Brilliant. Um, Lauren, there's a bit of a story, a um, bit of a journey you were on 
that brought you to working for Open Doors. And it's as I've spoken to you, I've really seen it as a story of God's leading and God's guiding. I wonder, can you take a moment to share a little bit about how God has brought you to the point where you now work for Open Doors? Yeah. Well, the first time that I came across Open Doors was whenever I was about 17 and I was studying the history of the persecuted church in RE class. And the teacher had brought in some literature from Open Doors. I think it was prayer diaries and magazines. And I just remember these two Sunday school teachers standing behind bars. And that that image really stuck with me. Um, I, I don't think I'd even been aware that persecution still happens nowadays at that time. And to be honest, um, I, I, I just really became interested in Open Doors from then on. I signed up for their prayer diaries and their magazines and just followed them over the years. Um, a little bit later, after I had um, been working in the legal sector for a while, um, I had my first child, Phoebe, and I had a wee chance just to step back from the law um, when I was on maternity. And I just remember this real sense of discontent about my role. It, ne it never really had felt right, um, even after all those years and hard work. And I just remember speaking to Craig about it and he encouraged, you know, he encouraged me to kind of find out what I was interested in. And I mentioned Open Doors. I said, I would love to do something with my skills that I felt inspired by like that. Um, and he had said, well, why don't you write to them for work experience? I didn't really do anything about it at that point, but I did bring it to God in prayer and seek his guidance. Um, it wasn't until probably half a year later that we had moved back home to Northern Ireland and I was still really seeking God's guidance on where he wanted me to be or would, would there be something else for me. And my sister invited me to a church in Balamani called the Connect Christian Fellowship. Um, she was just trying new churches in the area and I just went for this one day. Neither of us knew what it was going to be about. And um, that particular day, one of the members of that congregation was actually being prayed for at the front of the church. His name was Chris, and he was due to start a new job uh, with Open Doors the very next day. And I, it, I was just so inspiring to hear about his life and how God had been working through him and through the prayer and petition of other people um, to lead him to this point. And... I had obviously been thinking about writing to the open doors at that time and been praying about it. And I felt that that was God um, sort of leading me and prompting me towards making some sort of move. So following that, I, I wrote a letter to open doors or an email and um, I was invited in by this lady called Lorraine who headed the team up at the time. And um, it was just a, a very brief meeting and it, it was clear that there weren't really any jobs for me at that time. And um, to be honest, after that meeting, I left feeling a little deflated and just wondering, you know, what was that all about? And maybe even a bit embarrassed. I didn't really tell anyone about it. Christoph, it was Alice's baptism at Kirkpatrick Memorial. And um, there was a moment in the minister's room just 10 minutes before where, you know, we, we had a little catch up. And I was just going through turmoil at that time, just thinking about, you know, the returning to work. And I just felt like I didn't know what was happening with my future. And I don't think that you were really aware of very much of that at all. 
But I would say that God was really working in that moment, even just in these small conversations. Um, and really the manner and the questions that you asked me, they, you know, about my work and where I was at and everything, they kind of cut straight to the issue. Um, and I hadn't even planned on being honest or saying really any of how I felt. But in that moment, I really felt God was working through you to make me feel how how much I was loved by him and cherished and important and that he he knew that I did have hopes and desires for the future and um you know that he was with me in that. So I suppose really after that um I didn't really have the same sense of urgency about getting out of my situation and changing my circumstances. I just had a real sense of peace that he was with me through it. I got in touch with Chris, who was now working there, and he met up with me and um, it transpired that, yes, there was going to be a job coming up. And in fact, it was exactly the days and in terms of the practical side of it, it was perfect for me. Um, so really after that, whenever the job came out, I obviously applied for it. And um, whenever I got offered it, um, there was... A lot going on in my head because you know I had worked very hard to um to for the legal side of things I'd really put in a lot of years of effort and then to to do something completely different um I you know I really wanted to know it was the right thing but as I was able to look back over the past few years and even back to um studying in, in RE class I could see that God had clearly put this in my heart and that this was his plan for me and um yeah, I just I just went for it, and it's really been it's really been such a change for me. I've felt both um, it being a blessing and a privilege to work there, um, and God's leading. He's just been one step ahead of me um, at each point on the way, um, and even on the days whenever I wasn't sure what was happening, um, I really have felt uh, that I've, I've been learning to wait on the Lord a lot more. So, Brilliant. yeah. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Lauren, thank you for sharing that because um, it's just wonderful to hear you thinking about God's leading in your life, being so open to him and then finding that he He really did lead you. Just one last question. In 30 seconds, tell us why it's important that we as a church family continue to partner with Open Doors. Well, um, our church family is further than Kirkpatrick Memorial. Um, everyone who has given their life to Christ and accepted him into their life is our brother and sister and um, we're all part of the body of Christ and I really feel that it's such a privilege to be able to pray alongside our brothers and sisters over the world who are risking their lives um, to follow him um, but it's also a two-way thing because um, out of our support and our prayer and uh, giving to them they also encourage and strengthen our faith um, I do think that um, it kind of wakens us up <laughs> and encourages us to be a bit more bold in our everyday lives for Christ. I wonder if you've had the privilege during lockdown of being the designated member of your family to go to the supermarket to do the weekly shop. 
I certainly have and found myself standing in that queue of people outside the supermarket, two metres apart, snaking around the cordoned off part of the car park set up for these queues. But perhaps if you haven't been out and done that, you've seen the pictures on television in recent weeks as lockdown has been eased, particularly in England, and as people have been queuing desperate to get into this, this, the, the clothing stores like Primark, wanting to just get back to some kind of normality and, and the massive numbers of people queuing um, at those places. As I've seen those scenes and I've been in those queues, it's made me think about some of the things that we've been hearing and some of the pictures we've seen as well of, of some countries around the world through coronavirus where those queues have been for essential aid, where basic supplies that people have needed to survive. That's particularly been the case in India, where lockdown saw hundreds and thousands of people um, instantly lose their jobs overnight. Many of these Indians would usually be daily labourers who rely on that daily wage just to survive. And without that day's income and without furlough schemes that we've had in this country, they've had no money to buy food. The uh, official aid sometimes hasn't even been enough for everybody that's needed it. So as people have queued, there's been the very real chance that they weren't going to get the support, the food that they needed for them and their families. And so with Christians already being the low of the low in India, already being treated as second class citizens, our brothers and sisters today and through coronavirus have found themselves literally at the back of the queue at the back of the queue for the food that you need to provide for your family, at the back of the queue for basic health care or, or PPE equipment. We have heard of Christian nurses being refused PPE equipment whilst their um, Hindu members of their team have been given what they needed to stay safe. And then we've heard of Christian brothers and sisters who've been singled out as being the ones to blame for bringing the virus into their communities treated so unfairly, so unjustly, simply because they carry the name Jesus. And so I want to invite you to pray for them today. Um, I want to invite you to consider what it must be like to stand at the back of the queue. If you're watching online, maybe you could pause this video and just go and grab yourself an empty bowl. Nothing special about it, but just want to spend some time using it to reflect and pray. And I want to invite you to pray today for our brothers and sisters who, as I've explained, will be at the back of the queue, perhaps waiting that, watching that pile of food get smaller and smaller, and that you might pray for them that not just would God give them practically what they need, but that he might fill them, fill their bowl to overflowing with his love and his peace, and that he would give them strength to keep going, whatever the cost, whatever that day and the next day looks like, and that they would be so aware that we are praying for them, that we are standing with them as the body of Christ. But also I wonder maybe just if you could perhaps pray for ourselves. Uh, lockdown maybe has left many of us feeling a bit empty, uh, feeling a bit fragile. This bowl would break if I, if I dropped it. Um, and maybe we've felt like that and we need God to fill us as well. Uh, fill us with his presence, with his peace. Um, and that as we consider what lockdown might look like when it's finished, what our lives, what our churches might look like. Would God fill us so that we're ready for whatever comes next, that we too would be ready to stand strong and, and follow him whatever the cost. There's going to be some words on our screen to help us to pray. I invite you to do that now. Let's pray. Mm -hmm.
if you've been listening to the news or maybe sharing in conversation with your friends you'll know that the executive in Northern Ireland has made a provision for churches to be allowed to meet together uh, and the first Sunday that a church could possibly meet under these provisions is the 5th of July next Sunday. If you think how busy Kirkpatrick is on a Sunday morning how many people we squeeze into that small space. Perhaps you can imagine that it's going to take some time before our whole church family can begin to meet together again, while social distancing laws still apply. Rest assured that we have started to make plans for how and when we might meet together. And we'll be in touch over the next weeks to share those plans with you. In the meantime, we ask you to be patient and prayerful. Pray for the leaders of the church as we try to make good decisions about how to move forward. And be patient because it seems like it's still going to take some time. One event that we are planning in the autumn and that will go ahead uh, regardless of what measures are in place at the time, is one called Rooted. It's an event for women. 
We're calling the event Rooted because in Colossians chapter 2, Paul encourages his readers who have received Jesus to continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. This event is about helping women to put down deep roots in the word of God. We'll share more details about the event nearer the time and a Zoom link so that people can join in. But for the time being, just save the date, Saturday the 3rd of October at 10 a.m. Get that date into your diary. That's for all the women in Kirkpatrick. A couple of months ago, I finished a service with a verse from Psalm 139. And this morning, as we've been thinking about our brothers and sisters in the suffering church, I found myself drawn back to that same verse. In Psalm 139, the psalmist, he praises God saying, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Let's hold on to that promise as a prayer for our brothers and sisters in the suffering church. Let's pray that the Lord will hold them fast. Let's hold on to that same promise for ourselves and our brothers and sisters at Kirkpatrick. We long to to know that he will hold us fast. And let's finish our time together by affirming this beautiful truth in a song. He will hold me fast.